0: Hey folks, Jordan with my strategic forecasts, Inside the Numbers Live. And I want to do something a little bit different today and bring to you an interview I did with one of our members. He's been an active member for the Inside the Numbers and Inside the Numbers Live. He's done extraordinarily well trading, loves to trade options, has made several hundred thousand dollars over the past while. And we conducted this interview for the Inside the Numbers Live room and I thought it was interesting and one that was worth sharing with you all. So. Here's an interview between myself and Cirillo, who is one of the Inside the Numbers Live members. All right. Hey, how are ya? I'm good, how are you doing? Can everybody hear Cirillo okay? For those of you that don't know, Cirillo has been a member of ours in the Live Room probably since the beginning,
1: right? Yeah, yeah, right about when uh, David started the service uh, for the Live, I joined right away. And before that, uh, I've been a member of uh, his Inside the Numbers for over two years. That's a, that's a long time. So you were trading,
0: you've been trading the inside the number stuff longer than we've had the live room. Tell us a little bit about like how you got into trading. I fell into it just because I like it, but like, was that the same for you or like, did you find it through somebody
1: you knew? Uh, so um, I've been dealing with the markets for about 15 years. Um, I just started, you know, just buying and selling Equities, or so. Come the pandemic, things got extra spicy. And right before that, I I had always been buying and selling, but but never in a structured form or analyzing anything, just from you know word of mouth. Oh, this company, this company. So then a friend uh, recommended me to some some other guy that sells a program, not a program, but a book. And I I just started learning analysis overall. The, the other guys had some different kind of analysis, basically looking at money flow, looking at certain how stocks build, price build stages and stuff like that. And then I had a friend that said, hey, um, I have this guy from my strategic forecast. He he sets out stock and targets. It's more structured, obviously, uh, the way David does it. It's not, it's not so much esoteric where a lot of other services are really esoteric and like looking at lagging indicators and stuff. But in the end, we know price is king. So that's why I kind of stuck it out with David. And I actually did not take uh, his course, the Lazy Imini course, Probably a year and a half after I started inside the numbers, because I was so interested in just just getting a trade, just getting a trade, and I was so basically
0: what was it like when you like when you were first getting into trading like i mean was it just i mean I always found things very overwhelming you know at the very beginning because there's just there's so much information out there, and the first trade i uh took was November two thousand and seven, which was the worst you know time to get it into the market I was buying in at the high but like what was your experience as you started off? So
1: ignorance is bliss. Uh, so when <laughs> I started, I, I knew nothing. I remember one of the biggest early trades I ever took. I remember I made, it was a dumb amount of money I made at the time, you know, for a beginner trade. I made like five, $6,000 on a single trade. I was watching the tennis, uh, the US Open, and I saw Orbitz. They were one of the sponsors and you saw it everywhere. <laughs> yeah. And I just bought it. You know, I bought, you know, whatever it was at the time, you know, I just threw money at it uh, blindly, not knowing anything. And then it, you know, a week later, a pop for like 30, 40%. And obviously you're hooked at that point. You're like, oh, okay. My earlier times were a lot like that. And, uh, just buying stuff of company or, or, or things that I saw around. Um, I didn't get into really analysis of either fundamental or or technical analysis till really recently, till so when I found David.
0: So do you think that a lot of your initial success
1: was actually more due to luck than anything else? Yeah. Yeah. Luck and and just looking at, at things and being like, "Oh, you know, Apple, I have a I have an iPhone. I mean, just buy some Apple and, and just looking around, you know." And I, and I and I guess it's kind of lucky because most of the stuff you see around is large cap. So you can't mm-hmm. get too hurt. And when, when you start getting into the weeds and learning more, you start doubting yourself because you see 30 conflicting things. You know, you start learning about RSI, MACDs, like like David calls them, Joe's indicators. Now you're looking at 30 things and one of them's telling you up, the other one's telling you down and you're just seeing what tells you the most up. You know, you end up kind of flipping a coin instead of really trading on what price should be and price action and maybe the fundamentals of a company. Now what I do, you know, I, I kind of put together everything I learned from Looking at a company's fundamental, you know, like in these times, I'm looking for companies that have low debt, that have high free cash flow, good price, and that, you know, technical analysis from what I learned from David matches. So if all those things match, you know, I have a, even like he calls a full stack, obviously, what what he teaches in Lazy mini Trader. But for me, I, I try to build an even fuller stack by looking at you know, fundamentals, uh, PEs. But you're also a pretty prolific day trader too, if I'm not mistaken, because, you know,
0: you've had a lot of success using the commentary and kind of trading the SPY. I believe you use options mainly. You don't do futures, right?
1: No, I don't do futures. So I do I do options and mainly because I am limited by my broker, which is Weeble. They don't have futures, which I, I think it's better for me because I probably could get in more trouble in futures. I've become a pretty good day trader using David's notes, you know, like just seeing, The numbers that he has, you know, like just now you could have, you're seeing the 377.45 and you're like, you know, I could take a short there. And my risk reward is if we go to yesterday's tie, I'll cut it. And my reward is coming down to 374.40 or something or back to 375 because we know it's ping ponging there. So I just use his numbers, you know, he's giving these numbers out. So there's no mystery. And now what I do when I day trade, I, I do risk reward. So I do a three to one risk rewards so I can lose a dollar or win three on a trade. Let's say I I take a $10 stock and I know my target is $3 higher and I know my stop is a dollar lower. What this allows me to do is basically I can lose three trades and win one and I break even. So there's a high possibility of that happening over time. And if I win two trades, I'm already up no matter what.
0: One of the things that we talked about, especially since you joined the live room was that it was something I struggled with too, was making sure that you let your winners kind of run and getting the most out of it. Talk a little bit about where you're still working on your trading and what you're focused on to kind of improve your trade. Cause I mean, you said you've made tens of thousands in the past few months when everybody else is struggling, but you're still trying to improve obviously. So like, where do you try and find things?
1: The current thing I'm working on, and you know, we've spoken about this is cutting Losers fast. David talks this about all the time. You know, you want to know when you're wrong quickly, fast and quick, you know, band aid and letting the winners run. So what I tend to do, I'm obviously in this volatile market, you're so fearful of uh, giving back any gains or the worst thing you could do is look at the amount of money in the account and see it can go up and down. Uh, so I try to never look while I'm trading at the money going up or down. I'm seeing where price is moving, where it's bouncing off. Because as soon as you start looking at the amount of money that the trade is made or the trade is losing, emotions get in the way. And I think that's when you when you start to lose. I've been trying to, to be less aggressive with profit taking on my runners. Since I'm, I work with options, you know, options can can shoot up 20, 30%. Uh, recently, I had one that, that you know, shot up a thousand percent. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was I remember that. Bit, yeah, it was a bit of luck. You know, I, it was like a overnight. I just threw half of the day's profits into a trade overnight. Obviously it's extremely high risk and I know it could go to zero overnight. It was one of those risk reward things where I said, you know, I could either lose a thousand or make 10,000. I tend to cut the runners really quick because I don't want to give anything back and you don't give the time for the market to digest things. Obviously you can get Caught, you know, if if you're short on a bear rally, or if you're long, the rug can be pulled and things can collapse, and and so on. So something that, that uh, Jordan has kind of uh, helped me out with is, so I usually cut eighty percent of the position at a at a certain target, and my targets are short since uh, options move so so largely. But then I see it. The worst thing you can do, obviously as a trader, you look back and you see, and you're like, wow, I, I missed out on another three hundred percent, or or another two hundred bucks instead of the. 20 bucks that I got. So now I just, I cut half, I let it run. I give time for the market to digest price and see where it wants to go. And then I, I make a decision based more, again, less looking at the price and how much I've made or lost and more looking at the charts, seeing where they're headed.
0: So let me ask you this, right? Cause we've talked about this. You reset your account. I think you only keep about $30,000 in your account at any time. You know, you'll get, you'll make the week's profits. You take them out, but you're off something like a few hundred thousand dollars to date. If year you don't, yeah around do you feel better trading in bear markets than you do in bull markets or how does that compare to like say twenty twenty one or twenty
1: twenty in your trading yeah so i i definitely do feel better trading in 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 bear markets for a couple of reasons uh which i you know i've analyzed and realized it's it's hard to to call a top you know we we saw david attempt to call a top three <laughs> times and then he's like i give up I'm just gonna let the market top off, but I know the top is coming. And obviously we saw the top. But in a bull market, the movements that you have on the way up are, are very micro. You know, if you analyze the candles, compare the candles on the run up, you know, from 2020 all the way to the top, you know, these are micro movements. And you could be like, you know, a day can go up, you know, half a percent. And you're like, okay, this seems like a good resistance. And then it go up another 0.2%. and just keeps on going up these micro scale movements. In that market, it's kind of you, you you buy and you and you just go along and you just wait for it to to work out. Versus when you're in a in a bear market, you got these huge you know seventy handle swings, hundred handle swings, and intraday you can make a killing, you know. But the the swinging in a bull market, you know, trying to find a top, you know, trying to buy at support becomes tricky because things just keep on floating yeah, yeah.
0: up. I thought, you know, one of the best trades that you had mentioned to me a while back, within the past month, I believe, you know, you were like, oh, I'm gonna buy puts on Tesla. I looked at it, I'm like, oh, it's like, yeah, that makes sense. And then like, I mean, the next day it just cracked open. I think you made like 10, 15 grand overnight.
1: Uh, that was around, uh, I think April 20th or something like that. Is it that um, has it been that long?
0: Yeah, I guess it has been.
1: Yeah, and I, and I remember I went pretty far out of the money. I remember price was around, 1065
0: or so yeah it was definitely wobbly out there I remember you were like pointing at it and you walked me through kind of your analysis talking through some of the coursework but I thought it was really interesting sorry I didn't mean to interrupt you but you said there was a gap
1: so I saw like around I'm looking at the chart now like uh, April 21st it had a huge gap up and then there was a gap from April 5th and I was just basically shorting the gap. And I saw it run up, obviously I, I was giving it time. And then when it started falling down, like around 1065, I was like, all right, I'll take my chances here at, uh, at shorting it. I went really far out the money. I remember I went like, I, I did. Far out the money and, and far out in expiration, obviously you gotta give things time. But I did like uh, $800 puts uh, out to two or three months. And obviously three days later, it just fell the bottom fell out of it. But I was, again, I was just doing my three to one ratio where I knew at the if if we got anywhere close again to the top of that day's price, you know, I was gonna be out of it. But my target was down to 900 where it had recently been just the day before. You trade stocks on the move, you just don't
0: trade it as often as you do the others. And when you do it, you actually still apply that three to one approach, you know, cause you try to make sure that you're managing your risk relative to the reward, even on the stocks on the move, right?
1: yeah so i i don't take as many stocks on the move because one i've been killing it just with uh spy options and and that's been my main vehicle to make money and stocks on the move obviously you, you cannot and you should never do options on them because most of those stocks the 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 options liquidity is small the spread yeah. is big for stock on the move for me if i put 10 grand let's say i put thirty thousand and i get that one percent it's 300 bucks where on the spy, you know, I get ten handles on a ten thousand dollar position. You know, I, I can make anywhere from five hundred to a thousand. Obviously, it's it's completely different things, different vehicles, higher risk on the on the option side. But when I use my management and my risk reward management, I get a little bit more juice out of the orange uh, using uh, uh, options on the spy.
0: Because we talk about the stocks on the move. You asked me once. You're like, why do you cut it off at you know this percent as opposed to letting it try and get a little more. And, you know, I showed you the data and you're just like, yeah, you're like you you tend to and you do a a damn good job of selecting the ones that are going to get like one, one and a half, two percent. And you tend to gravitate more towards those than, you know, just all of the stocks on the move in general. Right.
1: Yeah. And I I try to I mean, like you never know which is the roller coaster ride, as David says. But if I'm going to if I'm going to take a risk of putting 20 grand, 30 grand on on a stock on the move, I need one percent. I can't I can't do 0.8, because if, if not, it's really not worth the, the money that I'm 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 putting into it to get. I mean, don't get me wrong, one percent is huge. If you can get one percent of your portfolio a day, it's ridiculous. But you know, when this market is so volatile and you can really trade around the spy moving around. Uh, so much. You know, I I pick uh, the spy as my main vehicle for now. But uh, on yeah. the stocks in the move, I I still when I see something like uh, like today eBay, I was like, man, I really like that. I'm looking at the pre market. I look at the volume. I'm trying to figure out how David gets his prices. Sometimes that you know. Oh, he'll never. I will never tell. <laughs> of course, <laughs> I get it. It's a it's his patent. You know, it's a it's his money maker. But uh you know, when when my when I see a number that matches his and and I understand that number. I feel more confident on that trade. You know,
0: that makes a lot of sense.
1: Yeah, wh- when I when I don't get it and see where it's going, then it, it's harder. It's it's like when somebody tells you, hey, buy this stock, and you just buy it blindly. and You don't know why. You don't have a thesis. You don't you don't you don't know anything about the company. You know, like I had a friend tell me, oh, I bought BNGO. My friend told me that it was going to be big, and I was like, do you know the name of the CEO? How much money are you putting into it? What's their you know what's their fundamentals? Obviously, this is not what I'm looking for in stocks on the move, but it relates to. You know, if David puts up a number, I wanna see where he got it from because then it builds a better case for me to feel more confident on the trade. If I don't feel confident on the trade, I'm probably gonna get stopped out because I'm just gonna look again back at how much it's down and I'm not gonna give it its hourly close. And then I'm thinking, could it be a shit burger or not? But if I have a full case where I was like, I know this is a great price because A, B, and C, then I'm able to stay in the position for longer and and have it work out. You know, as we know, when you know, when we see his videos, the numbers work, you know, no matter what. But what happens? Our emotions get in the way, and every now and then, when we ha- when we're in a shit burger, or you know, we get scared of the other ones, we don't go as hard, and you know, making profits on the on the longer side gets a little more difficult.
0: Emotions are one of the hardest things to get through. I think what I've liked about your style is it reminds me of some of the best poker players because they use what's called uh, uh, selective aggression. They're very, very careful about which hands they play, but when they get into them, they hit them hard psychologically in poker it does a great job of pushing your opponents right. around so that you know you can kind of get an idea of what they're going to have but even in uh trading what i like about it is that you do it because you know you have a lot of the elements of a different methods coming together like you did, with, you talk about with the stock on the move, you know, to give you, your, you know, your full stack, they give you the confidence to trade it.
1: Right. You know, and, and in poker, it's just like, you know, when you have a great player, he, he'll he show you what he wants to show you. In, in your head, you're like, oh, OK, he, he he's a conservative player. And then you don't you don't see the bluff. You know, I used to be a a, a poker player myself and and I come from the gambling world. And I guess uh, trading has kind of uh, substituted a little bit of, of the gambling since trading does have a little aspect of gambling to it. It's it's somewhat speculative, but here you have a higher percent chance of, of winning uh, since, you know, you have more data on your side and and, and you can definitely restrict uh, your losses and you're not playing against anybody. You're, you're competing against yourself in, uh, in trading.
0: Now, let me ask you this. Since you've been in the live room, you were a profitable trader before the live room. What did, would you say is the, the thing that has that it's done to help you out the most? Is it, I, from our conversations, it seems to be that it's kept you out of trades that you otherwise would have taken or it's kept you in trades that you otherwise would have dropped
1: so when i first started the live room i would take when when a trade would get too close and then bounce bounce away i didn't know what too close was and you would make it clear you're like i'm definitely not in here cuz it it's got too close already gave the juice and sometimes i would email david and you know i would find out much later if it was too late or not and a lot of time obviously some it, it's trader's choice you know you know what what is too close? Is half a percent too close? Is 1% too close? And it all depends on the stock because maybe half a percent for a stock like Tesla that moves 12, 13, 14% in a day, half a percent is not that bad. It helped me, you know, when when you would call out what too close was. Also, hearing you take your profit targets was important because I'd get greedy. You know, I try to get more than that 1% and that's when you get caught uh, with your pants down because it does go up more than that 1%. But, There's obviously other people taking profits at at certain different targets. And then it suddenly drops and you're in the negative and you didn't take that 1% instead of staging the orders, which I didn't used to do. You know, you immediately, once you're in, you put what you're out is, uh, which I didn't do. And that made me not make as much money because I I just wasn't taking profits uh, along the way. I was being greedy, which, you know, now I'm at the other side where I'm being greedy, taking profits. So I guess it's a building a balance of those things. That makes a lot of
0: sense. Yeah. It, I mean, it's not easy. Look, you really, I think you were fortunate enough that you didn't have to spend a lot of time in the unprofitable camp before you, you know, made it to the break-even and then the profitable category, like many of us do. And it's helped you out. For those that don't know, uh, Cirillo is actually a music producer by trade, correct? Yeah. So you went to school for music. Trading was just more of like an interesting thing that you you fell into, which I think speaks to the universality of, you know, learning how to trade, like it is a skill that you can learn. And I thought it was fascinating because, you know, we swapped YouTube videos of one of the music videos you had done and I saw your setup. And it's funny because your trading room is a giant, is your music studio. You know?
1: Yeah. So I have <laughs> two screens and, and basically my studio is now when, I, when obviously when I'm not producing is my trading room, you know, I got the double screen set up and I got David on one side, I got my charts on the other, and then I got the live uh, on, on another corner, trading and and knowing this world is such an amazing skill to have because one it's so much money to be made when you're when you're doing it you know risk management i've been looking at david's videos since 2020. what i actually did is that i went back and i started watching from 2019 videos old videos they were not relative to what was currently going on and i started watching videos from july 2019 all the way to march 2022 on the collapse just to see, you know, how how he was teaching things. You know, I'm I'm probably crazy. I'm probably the only person that would go back and watch, you know, 150 videos that were not related to to what's going on now. But for, for me, it was a, such a learning skill because I wanted to see what David saw on the run-up to what happened in, in March, which obviously it was a black swan overall. You know, I'm sure everybody was calling a top and blah, 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 but truly COVID is a black swan event, you know? It obviously coincided with technicals We were too high. Things were too hot. You know, we were over resistances. I, I think that's actually if you guys take your time, if you're if you're curious enough, like I am, go look back at those old videos leading up to 2020. And I think you you could find a lot of learning things and seeing how how things fell apart and how kind of they compare to what we're kind of going through right now, which uh, in my mind, it's a short correction. But, you know, nobody knows. That's the best thing about the market. Nobody knows anything. If anybody tells you for sure this is going up, then that's when you really know they don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's true.
0: I always I I laughed a little bit because you know, you'll hit me up and you'll send me your ideas and then you'll change them like the very next day. But you aren't tied to any bullish or bearish position, you know, you kind of let the market dictate what's gonna happen. And I think a lot of people see might normally see that as indecisive. I think it's more about being nimble and changing with what goes on. Because, you know, a good example was you and I had shorted oil a handful of days ago and, you know, you explained your thesis. you're like, here's where I'm wrong. Made a nice trade out of it. We were playing all the way out into August with it.
1: You know, I think changing your mind quickly when it comes to business and and finances, depends what you're doing, but overall it's a good thing. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll talk big picture and I'll bring it down smaller picture. Let's talk about the Fed. So the Fed loves to oversteer the boat. The problem with the Fed is that they're steering a cruise liner. It's not a jet ski. So they can't just turn left quickly. They'll start turning, you won't see the the boat turn until 6 months out, you know, a year out, but during that time, you know, you get the CPI every single month that just tells you what this prices went from this day to this day. And then you get the unemployment every every other month and you get all this numbers coming at them, then obviously markets react, they overreact. So then the Fed needs to do something to kind of hold the market down or keep the market up, and then they overreact as well. But they don't change their mind because they're so scared of, like Powell saying, you know, inflation is transitory, inflation is transitory. Yeah, we know it is, you know, over 10 years, inflation is transitory. But him not a- being able to change his mind quicker is because he's steering a cruise liner. Now, when it comes to trading, this is way faster. You know The movements in, in the market are, are way faster. So the faster you can change your mind on a thesis or, or a trade and you know, a trade not working out, it's basically what David says, you gotta cut your, your losers fast and quick. That's the way the market works. You don't wanna be caught with your pants down. Um, yeah. And being able to change quickly is what gets you out of trouble.
0: Like you're not changing it like every five minutes. Like you sit there and like you go through a full analysis every time though, correct?
1: So I've been telling you that, you know, I think we're gonna get a, a crazy bear rally, rally up in, a, in the bear market into the end of the year. And, you know, and I'm, and I'm seeing a dozen things, dozens of things. But I think when those kind of things happen, they happen quick and they leave people behind, which tells me in the short time, we probably still might feel more pain because bears still wanna be really right about their theses. Bulls think that we are gonna just shred up, but markets are smarter than everybody in them and they're gonna chop everybody up. So I'll develop a thesis, a a, a big thesis. So my thesis right now is that we're gonna rally up. We're we're really gonna shoot up quickly, but time is more important than price. I've seen so many of David's videos. One of the things that really sticks with me in my head is, you know, you want to have fun at the party. You don't want to be the first one there.
0: And that's something we both yep. have been talking about recently is, you know, making sure that we have a little bit more patience because, you know, it's easy to get into it, get pulled into trades very quickly.
1: And I think the most important thing is uh, letting the ego just go, knowing when you're wrong and being like, okay, my thesis was wrong, but knowing where it went wrong. So I was like, you know, just just like my any trade that I go in, I know where I'm going in and where I'm getting out. You know, so I always tell myself, where am I getting out? What are my targets? So my target is three up, one down. And I know no matter what, I have to get out there. It, right, so it's basically yeah. the same. You know where you're wrong or you know where you're right. And and sticking to that, you know, not living on FOMO or, or hopium, you know, no, just treat it as a business. Look at the numbers and that, that's it. Yeah,
0: that's true. Cirillo, I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate having me. That is Cirillo, trader from the room, just like one of you all.